Welcome to this conversation between Stephen Gribben, the CEO and founder of CoachPro, and me, Warren Hammond. Here's a quick snippet of what to expect. That's the type of relationship you really need with yourself, first of all, is to understand and accept. By all means, your best relationships are the people who will say, I believe you're capable of better. So your relationship with yourself is hopefully one where no matter where you are, I believe I can do better. Because then you will look for the opportunities to do better. That's a positive relationship. That's a rewarding relationship. And it's a relationship that will have greater longevity because there's a future element to it. So if you think of the relationships you would love to have or already have with some fantastic people, then that's the relationship you really want to start developing with yourself first and foremost. It's okay to be you. It's it's still okay to want to be better. Welcome, podcasts, to our latest conversation. This one's on relationships. As always, Stephen's done his trick of making the subject, which was already a big subject, much bigger than I was expecting. In this one, Stephen defines relationship as it's not just about your relationship with people. It's about things, concepts, literally everything about us. And he explains that once you understand this, you can take the lead in defining your relationship with everything around you, your place in the world and how you interact with everything. An important note was that the relationship with yourself is the starting point in this. If you haven't got a good relationship with yourself, then where do you go is his point. And once you're looking at the relationship, it's, is this relationship still current? Is it valuable? Is it going to help you get what you want and where you want to get to? And then there's the piece about an emotional contract. The understanding that there is a need for an emotional contract between two parties. That this is always, a relationship is always a two-way street. Yeah, this was an interesting episode. I enjoyed it. I get a lot from it. If there's any feedback or comments, as always, let us know. At podcast at coachpro.online. I'll be back at the end with a bit of admin, a bit of a summary. But until then, enjoy it. And here comes the cheesy music. Okay, so the topic today, it was always going to be a big one when you suggested that the topic we we cover was relationships. And then immediately I started to think, okay, this is going to be like some sort of Stephen version of Mr. and Mrs. You're going to help me work better at home. Or this is going to be you helping me deal with bosses, past and future. Or even those people who have the pleasure of me managing them from time to time. So that sounded big enough already. But then you put a big spanner in the works by by explaining to me that relationships, it's a lot bigger than just that. So we better start there then before we get going. How are you defining relationships for the purpose of this chat? It's more than just you know, my personal intimate relationships that we're going to be discussing into how to improve. Is that right? Yeah, well, when you look at the full value of relationships, and that's how we relate to things, if you look at all the things that that uncovers, it doesn't it actually takes away a lot of the complexity and makes it a lot more practical and a lot more clear that we can then apply to a whole range of things. You know, some people will think relationships means friendships, or relationships, or colleagues. These these are all types of relationship, but it's how we relate to each other. So your relationships can be how you relate with people, both personal and professional, so friends and colleagues, partners and bosses, but also how you maybe relate to what you do, your relationship with your work, your relationship with possessions, relationships that you might have with habits, or trends or things that you're maybe more comfortable with doing, your relationship with yourself in terms of how you see yourself, your own identity, your purpose, what you're about, how you relate to that, your relationship with social media, which has become a big thing over the past decade, how you relate to that, 
how you define that relationship, what does social media actually do for you? And also some activities that, what is the relationship? What is the role? What's the value of that activity in your life? So how do you relate to it? So it's how we relate to things in terms of its purpose and value, what we will do for it and what we expect it to do for us so that we can make sure that what we're doing is developing, maintaining, redefining relationships that we have with all in all these areas in a way that's optimal, that works best for us in terms of uh, being able to shape and own those relationships, but also that it gives us that confidence and sense of personal growth. Is that it? Is that all it is? <laughs> Just about. So let's go back a sec. So... When you're talking about relationships, and, and you're right, I mean, I think about friendships or even human beings, you know, how I'm relating to other human beings. And so you're almost saying, no, this isn't just about people. You know, this isn't just about friendships or relationships with people, close people, people I'm working with, intimates. You're saying this is a way of thinking and improving my relationship with everything pretty much everything, therefore, around me. And some of these things are quite conceptual, even. This is about understanding that there is the relationship between you and pretty much everything else can be improved and tightened or or done better. Is that what I'm understanding? Overall, it's how we relate with things and with people and with situations and circumstances in a way that we can define that relationship as being positive rather than at times we find ourselves in negative relationships, either with negative relationships with people, negative relationships even with ourselves, you know, we're just not getting the most out of that, or how we're relating to where we live, the car you drive, all those types of things where you're trading on a relationship that's maybe no longer current or maybe no longer positive for you. And so it's ensuring that we understand that how we relate to things, so what we give and what we get back from it, fits its purpose. And sometimes those relationships, they're all alive. They'll have varying degrees of importance and relevance and prominence in my thinking, and that's okay so that we don't fall into the trap of the, the relationship is 100% or 0%. This thing was the most important thing in my life, and because it's not the most important thing, it must mean it's worthless. Is understanding that that lifelong relationship we have with ourselves and everything round about us has an energy and it has a flow that we can either just be on the receiving end or we can take more ownership of that and start to shape it. This gets back a little bit to when you talk about the the operating level and the management level and the more strategic level, I mean, even right away is by naming all of these different things, what you're explaining is, is there is an energy, you know, there is a connection, whether you're acknowledging it or thinking about it at all, now's the time to start doing that. Okay. And by naming relationships, by being more than friendships or or work relationships, there's, this goes way beyond that. Yeah, and allows you to be more current um, so that that relationship you have has a current value. The relationship you may have with a new car was a relationship with something that was inspiring you, was motivating you, was giving you focus. Now you've bought the car. That relationship with the car now needs to change. Because it's no longer the thing that you're chasing or you're inspired to go and, and get. You've now got it. So you now need to change that relationship and redefine that relationship. Otherwise, the relationship has just stopped and it's no longer what it was. It's the same with people. As coaches, Warren, you know that one of the big benefits that you have is that a lot of the relationships may start off as a referral. And then that relationship then evolves into being a client. And coaching is such a wonderful thing, particularly if you're doing it at a level of self-development. You then develop a relationship that goes beyond just being a client. So it's also allowing those relationships to breathe, but helping define those relationships so that with some people you may have multiple relationships with, is then knowing, am I here as your coach? Am I here as your friend? Am I here as your work colleague? 
so that you've got that multifaceted aspect of relationships. But your first of all, your awareness of there is a relationship is the first thing. Then it's about managing that to make sure that it remains current and relevant and of value. And then that more longer term, that strategic view on relationships is what are the future relationships I really want to build that are optimal for everybody involved? Okay, we better get a move on then. This topic, I thought it was big at the start. You've just made it about 50 times bigger. It's important. It is important. Okay. Where do we start with this then? I mean, what it feels like is, is I kind of feel like I'm in a bit of a computer game now. You know, and I'm sort of, and I'm the central character and I'm moving around. And now I'm a bit more conscious of all of the relationships that I've got around me. A bit like you are when you start playing computer game, you don't know how to, you know, open a door or how to jump or how to shoot and all of this. And the way you've now explained this, I'm sort of looking around thinking, I need to look at my place compared to everything around me. I'm guessing I start with me then in this. That's the point. Yeah, well, first of all, it's making sure you understand why this is so important. You know, this is something that's unavoidable. This is something that you're going to have. It's it's the room you're already in. It's that computer game that you're already the central figure in. But it depends on whether you want to sit back and wait to see what happens or whether you want to shape what you want to happen next. You know, for everybody, there's times when you feel up and there's times when you feel down. And a lot of that, if not all of it, is down to how you relate to yourself and how do you relate to what's going on around about you. Which is why certain people can go through the same experience and situation, but it seems to have a different impact on others. They relate to it differently. So it's important that this is something is unavoidable. This is part of your existence. It's how well you relate to things for what you're wanting to relate to it for and making sure that it's current and of value and is good for you. Otherwise, you might need to change the importance of that relationship because some things work for you for a period of time, but beyond that, they stop working for you. And even beyond that, they might start working against you. So it's making sure you're taking an inventory of what is my relationship and is that in, and is that where it is. So this is unavoidable. I mean, that's kind of a kind of a good reason to get this sorted out then. So there's, there's no place to hide, of course. You will be relating to everything around you and it's up to you how the, the value or the strength or how you manage that relationship, I guess, or you have a, a part to play. Yeah, look, you're going, to, you're going to have a relationship one way or the other. But if, if you're just on the receiving end of that relationship, everything else and everyone else is going to define that relationship for you. So social media might define the relationship with you as being a target or a user, never particularly positive terms. If you do not redefine that relationship, then that relationship will be defined for you. If someone puts you in a position where they see you as a victim or someone to pick on or take advantage of, if you don't redefine that relationship, that's the relationship you've got. Even to the point of you define the relationship as having no relationship, that is something better for you to choose than it to be for you, chosen for you. And now more than ever, when there are so many things going on, never in before has there been so many things. The relationship has been defined by others unless we also start to define those relationships for us. Because if you don't, someone else is going to do it for you. That makes lots of sense, doesn't it? Because in terms of the of your own emotional well-being, then, this gives you some of the sense of control, some sense of mastery over that relationship. So as you sort of talked about, like social media, you know, the thing is you're the product. And that, as you said, that doesn't sound that enticing or interesting. You know, you, nobody wants to be the victim, but if you don't put yourself in a position in that relationship, which makes you happy or strong or confident, then you're going to get what's coming to you, whether sometimes it will be yeah. good and sometimes it will be bad, but it's out of your control and being out of control will lead to anxiety or or stress or unhappiness or, or however you look at it. So this is an important way of, of taking control of things and, and 
and getting on top of things. Yeah, and, and working that out with the other party as well, so that you're defining that relationship, how how you relate together. You know, some some people might relate to you as the person who they come and moan to or give all their worries and anxieties to. That's the relationship they've defined for you. And unless you redefine that, that's how that relationship's going to be. If they've defined a relationship that you're the one they come to only when they're in trouble, but when things are good, they don't have that relationship with you. Unless you redefine that, that's how it's going to be. If you see if you have a relationship with your kids where you're the authoritarian and they're on the receiving end of it, and that's all it is, then you'll get the relationship that continues with that until it's redefined. If your children never know you as being more than just a parent, then that relationship again will be limited to that and that's how it will continue. So these relationships are really important and more so now than ever. Otherwise, as I say, it'll be defined for you. This sounds so big. Do you look at all of the relationships around you, put them in order, define the importance? I mean, suddenly realising that I have a relationship with everything around me, yeah, it feels quite overwhelming in a way. So so where, where do I start? It's a common theme of all the conversations you and I have had because we know this. It starts with you. If it doesn't start with you, it doesn't start anywhere else. So it starts with you. And it's the relationship you have with yourself. And that relationship is, you know, what do you want to be able to count on yourself for? What value do you want to bring to that relationship? The relationship with myself. What value do I want? Do you have a relationship with yourself as uh, a father, as a businessman, as a husband, as a, you know, as a colleague, as a confidant for people, as an inspiration to people, as someone they can trust? Because there's multi-facets to the relationship. But it's how you're going to relate to yourself of what can you count on yourself for. So are these the type of, I mean, you, you sort of just run through a lot of different roles there. Like, so, you know, is these the sort of roles that you know that you are able to fulfill or you're comfortable that you've got in your locker? These are hats that you can wear. If somebody comes to you wanting a confidant, for example, the last one I think you used, uncomfortable with myself that that's a role I can play is that what you mean with the relationship with yourself it starts with you first of all so being your own confident can you take that time to reflect to consider to give yourself that honest feedback to be able to assess things objectively can you do that for yourself first of all you will never be able to do it for someone else more than you do it for yourself that's why it starts with you so it's what identity are you working with for yourself? All the roles that you play, but how well you play them. How do you relate to that? How do you relate to yourself? How do you see yourself? What can you trust yourself to do? What can you count on yourself for? And how would you, so if this, this is a new idea for somebody, they obviously do many different, they play many different roles for themselves. How would you begin to inventorize that? You know, how would you do a mini audit on if someone sort of says, well, I'm just me. And says, well, as you just sort of said, well, you know, what these are the roles actually you do play to yourself, for yourself. I mean, how, how would you start to sort of call them out or segment them or colour them in? It starts off with the, what you're good at. What can you be counted on for? Now, some people will be able to connect with a level of self-awareness, I know what I'm good at. And I'm also comfortable with saying what I'm good at. I, I know what I can be counted on for, and I'm comfortable with saying what I can be counted on for. Others will find that confidence in asking the question, what would others say I'm good at? What would others say I could be counted on for? When am I at my best? What strengths do I have? When do I tend to shine? You know, when, when do I, I allow myself to be the best version of myself? When I'm at my strongest? When when am I at my most influential? When am I most proud of who I am and what I do? So it's understanding this, acknowledging this about yourself then, that you are multifaceted and there are some facets which are really strong and good and you should be proud of or, or are strengths that you've got in, in your locker, so to speak. Yeah, and this builds on those strengths. And this is, as we've touched on before, the difference between the self-development and self-improvement. Self-improvement and self-help 
will go into all the things that you don't think you're good at or they don't think you're strong at or consistent with, the things that you're not sure whether you can count on yourself for. Self-development looks at all the things you are good at, all the strengths that you do have, all the things that you can be counted on for, and then take that those things and apply them to areas that you want to be better. Because part of your relationship is with someone who hopefully wants to be better, no matter how good you are, still wants to be better, still wants to be challenged, still wants to find, still wants to improve, still wants to be in a better place and a better person. But it's that relationship with yourself first and foremost. So what am I good at? What can I be counted on for? What do I believe within myself? And defining that relationship. Because you can imagine if you have a bad or negative relationship with yourself, how that is then going to affect every relationship you have with everything else. Yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it? And you, sort of, and you see this a lot. I mean, this is sort of almost a regular fictional narrative about those self-destructive personalities who eventually try to take everyone down with them and, you know, and how do you teach people to love themselves? And this is part of, you know, so many of these reality TV programs is getting people to reconnect or to find something in themselves, which then sort of shines out to other people, isn't it? That's something good. In some of these programs, you actually see that actually these are really good people to other people but haven't realised it and haven't acknowledged it for themselves. So it's kind of sort of that sort of, it's a blind spot, I guess, is it? Is that the... You know the people who are most, who find it most difficult to build trusting relationships with others is because they, they're still struggling to trust themselves. And if they can't trust themselves, they assume that other people aren't there to be trusted. Yeah. Okay. And so it's, it starts with you. What am I good at? What are my strengths? What can I be counted on for? What makes me good at what I do? And if that is a conversation you can have with yourself directly and you're comfortable, that's great. If it's better for you to be saying, what would other people say I'm good at? What would other people say I could be counted on for? What kind of feedback have I had? And it's on the strengths and what you're good at so that you can, from that position, then look at the areas that you might think, well, what I'd want to be better, what I'd want to be able to count on myself for maybe to be a bit more balanced or a bit more objective or I'd want to trust myself to not just jump into situations but maybe seek to understand before I go to judgment. So you're having that relationship of an ongoing, fluid, live relationship that's going to continue to evolve but it's your first most important relationship. When you close your eyes, it's just you that's in there. And lots of different things I've been reading recently about that. self-compassion if you can't be kind to yourself is pretty much it then you that won't shine out into the rest of the world too okay that that makes sense once you've understood what you you know who you are what you've got then that's a, a relationship that you can look to improve there's new qualities you can look to bring on board but even what you've got today working with what you are today the strengths you've got today the qualities you've got today is is, is enough, obviously, to, to start this process. Yeah, and, and that's part of your relationship with yourself is to accept. Accept that there are some real strengths, accept that there's maybe some gaps, and accept that there's things that you really want to improve. But what you're building is a relationship with yourself of more acceptance, a relationship of greater awareness, a relationship of greater acceptance. And from that place, you're on a a more calm, stable relationship. You know if you have a relationship with someone else who understands you, who's aware of you, who appreciates and acknowledges all your strengths and accepts all those other areas where there may be gaps or areas of improvement, but they accept you for it, then that's always a positive relationship. So that's the type of relationship you really need with yourself, first of all, is to understand and accept. By all means, your best relationships are the people who will say, I believe you're capable of better. So your relationship with yourself is hopefully one where no matter where you are, I believe I can do better. Because then you will look for the opportunities to do better. That's a positive relationship. That's a rewarding relationship. And it's a relationship that will have greater longevity because there's a future element to it. So if you think of the relationships you would love to have or already have with some fantastic people, then that's the relationship you really want to start developing with yourself first and foremost. It's okay to be you. It's, all, it's still okay to want to be better. There's a lot of work there. 
it starts with you. So we do this work. Where do you go next? Is there an order? Is it or? First of all, it is that relationship with yourself. So the relationship of where you've been, the relationship of where you are just now, and then the relationship that you want to build for the future with yourself. What do you want your strengths to be in the future? What do you want to be counted on in the future? All those things. Once you've started doing that work internally, then you can start to look at the relationships you have with everyone and every other thing as to looking at what the relationship has been, where the relationship is, but importantly, what you want that relationship to be going forward. And this is for people, situations, concepts. You go into this with an understanding, like almost an audit of this is where we are today. This is what we want in the future. This is the gap analysis. This is how we're going to get there type thing. Uh, If you think of how people describe relationships, particularly when they criticize them, they'll talk about it being a one-way relationship or a very taking relationship. And some of the best relationships you'll talk about is a very giving relationship, very rewarding relationship. Relationships will be on the positive or negative, and it will fluctuate. So it's looking to see what a positive relationship would look like and not just what it was before. One of the key things of your relationships with people and things and situations is that lifelong relationships, you know, the most beautiful relationships are lifelong. Lifelong relationships require continual redefinition because it protects the currency, protects the value, protects the relevance. It communicates how important that relationship is because it's continually being redefined. Otherwise, you're trading on an old relationship that is likely to wait at some point unless you continually you care enough to continually redefine it. If you think of a relationship with your children or your relationship as a child at one point, um, that relationship has to be continually redefined all along the way. My two sons are now in their 20s. The relationship was continually redefined from the minute they were born. They were very, very dependent. And then that relationship had to be continually redefined. You know, They eventually go to school and look at what a genius really looks like. So that relationship now gets redefined because, you know, but the teacher said this, starts to come into things. So you have to redefine that relationship. Even before your child learns to walk, your your relationship moves as soon as they take the first step. That relationship has to be continually redefined as their confidence builds, as their world opens up, as they develop other relationships. You're no longer the only relationship in town. All of those things have to be continually redefined. And because there's that much love in that relationship, you kind of skate through all these redefinitions just because you know they're so important. But at some point, you start to have to make conscious decisions to redefine that relationship. You know, I can't hold my kids' hands to get them to cross the street safely. So I have to find other ways of still keeping them that safe. I mean, they're 5,000 miles away. I have to find creative ways of knowing that they're safe. I still want to know they're safe. I will always want to know they're safe. But the 23-year-old version of that is very different than the first three-month version. So you're continually redefining that relationship that you have and your role if you want those lifelong relationships to remain current, of value, and of importance. Yeah. I've just got an image now of your son holding your hand. It actually looked like he was making sure you were crossing the street okay. (laughs) That's going to be a redefinition of the relationship that's probably going to happen. No. In time, not anytime uh, soon, hopefully. No, but. A long way away, but you, but I get that. And when you were talking, and because you mentioned school, it it made me think of a couple of different things that have happened recently. The relationship, therefore, with the idea of teachers. So, for example, so and I was never a big fan of teachers when I was a pupil at school. My relationship with them could have probably been better. I was a good student, and that probably, which probably saved me. Thank God. And then somebody was talking about bumping into a teacher outside of school when they were in their 40s. And suddenly that relationship turned from, let's say, a a parent-child concept or, you know, servant-leader concept to an adult-to-adult because there's actually very little difference between, you know, between some of these teachers and, and a pupil. And now then you have 
you know, my kids are at school and the relationship that I need to think of, even the concept of teacher has to change and develop. And I can't regard them as this um, evil. You know, I have to regard them as, you know, enabler, a facilitator, a helper, a, a supporter, a nurturer of, you know, of my, of my children. And I guess that relationship is going to continue to evolve and change with it. it. And that's up to me to decide. And, you know, how I look back at elements in my childhood, I need to redefine elements of that relationship then if I'm going to bring important lessons from that to bear to help my kids going forward as well, I guess. Yeah, you'll get some people, Warren, who will bump into the school teacher. And because the relationship wasn't positive at school, they're negative to them and they meet them in the street 20 years later because they're still trading off a relationship from 20 years ago. Yeah, I find that hard, I think. And I do find that hard with old colleagues, good and bad. I have got a lot better with it, I must admit, but it is a conscious decision not to let that jump out and take over the, the room. But it is, it is very much barking loudly in, in one of my ears. And this is why relationships are a fluid, live energy, because you can still hold on to how you felt about something and how you related to something when you were 10 years old, five years old. Or you can start to define what you want it to be now and in the future. You know, it's if you take a concept such as success, the relationship with success, and I've worked with people, um, and it's one of the areas that you kind of now anticipate it's a conversation you're going to get to. You know, a lot of the times uh, as a coach, you kind of meet people when they're striving for a form of success. But when they achieve that definition of success, the promotion, the title, the financial, the, the car, the house, the choices, and they then say, but now I'm happy and my drive has now gone, my ambition is gone. And it's because the relationship with success is no longer as current and valuable and relatable to them. It's, but I've now got that. The success was something to chase, that definition of success. You have to help them create another relationship with what success now needs to mean for them to reconnect with it. Of what success, you know, what success means at certain times in your life is very different. So your relationship with success should also evolve Otherwise, you know, you're in your 40s and 50s still chasing what you were chasing when you were 18 and 19. And those are nightclubs you shouldn't be in anymore at that point. But you haven't changed that relationship. It's no longer current or valuable. It's obviously out of sync. The same as, you know, parents who will treat their kids as if they're still five or six years old and they're in their 30s. That is a, a relationship that has an opportunity to be redefined. It's why most couples will break up is because either neither of them have redefined that relationship and then they realise we're not the people we were anymore. All the things that were so important to us aren't that important to us anymore. We have nothing in common. Or one of the people in that partnership continues to redefine the relationship, but the other one wants to hold them back because they would prefer it went back to where it used to be. We had this experience when... There's an empty nest syndrome and it's when your kids grow up and then they both leave and both of our, our boys went to the US to study and, and follow soccer. And for the first time in 21 years, it was just the two of us. We are not the people we were 21 years prior to that. So we have to then redefine that relationship because we're no longer the parents of two kids at home. We're now two people in a long-standing marriage on our own. So we have to redefine that relationship, otherwise it's not going to work. So that redefinition of the relationships, that continual redefinition, that will show the relationships that are really important to you, the ones you care about most, are the ones that you will look to continually redefine. But there is some emotional barriers to that, particularly if one of you or you're the person that preferred the way it used to be, then you can sometimes be holding back on a relationship that's no longer that valid or current. I know the age of your kids at the moment and, and you're telling me about how things are and there's a bit of me that just, uh, I long for those days again. But those aren't the days for me and they're certainly not going to be the future days for me. I need to redefine the relationship to capture all the essence of that, but quite a long period on in terms of years. Okay. 
But this isn't, as you said, this isn't a a one-way street. Is this the time and, and do we have the space to, if you want to redefine the relationship but the other person doesn't, is the most important thing that you're redefining what you want from the relationship rather than trying to make other people redefine you know, the, their relationship with you? Does that make sense as a question? Well, there's certain relationships that you can redefine all on your own. There's certain relationships you're going to have to engage with the thing or the person and say, look, this is where I would love this to start going. That's what I was thinking not less about person a very personal relationship i was thinking more about working relationships or even supplier relationships you know those type of relationships there is a value isn't there in sitting down and 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 just acknowledging the fact that something is amiss and and what is it people really want out of it and asking them that question directly yeah and look when something's a mess then it's already started to become less current there's also some relationships where there's nothing amiss and you want to protect that. So you want to get ahead of the game and say, well, how could we make this even better? First of all, there's, there's the relationships you have with things. Done the house, the car, the types of things. Those used to be, my relationship with those things was about excitement and about a sort of measure of progress and all those types of things. I no longer have that relationships with houses and cars because it, it's no longer got that element to it. Now my relationship with houses and cars is about um, comfort. It's about stability. It's about security. It's about the purpose of it is to make my family safe and enjoyable and comfortable. And that's different to what it used to be. So you can on your own change your relationship with things. So your relationship with your employer, the job that you have, at the beginning, it, it might have been an aspirational relationship. It might have been to get you in out of the rain because you needed a job. But you can change that relationship and that's changing your relationship with it. It doesn't need to change, but your relationship with it. Some people get into a business or into a company and their career is everything to them. And it's one of the most important relationships they have with that career because they want to give this to the, the career so that it gives them something back, that relationship. Then they might get into a period of their time through a whole varied, varied amount of reasons that their career isn't as important to them as it used to be. Other things have become more important. So that relationship then changes. Your relationship can change as soon as you want to progress. Your relationship might be just where you pick up a paycheck. Then your relationship, you might want to change that. Say, I actually want to be someone who influences or shapes the future of this business. Actually, I feel really strongly about my relationship with this. I now care more about this than I thought I would. So that redefines that relationship. When it's with another party, then it's about helping redefine that relationship for a future reason. That's about saying this is where this could go. This could be a future if we look at the relationship in this way. It could be so much more. If you think of you and I over all the years that we've had a relationship, it has continued to evolve. And sometimes the situation has changed that relationship. But fortunately, you and I at times have decided to do things to redefine that relationship. And preferably a relationship that, that is more than just one thing. And we, we talked about this recently. When you're starting a commercial relationship with a partner and you want to move into this, and we talked about it in one of the other episodes, collaboration, et cetera, and the joint values, is the moment you bring some of this to bear about how amazing this could be, you give them really strong reasons to uh, redefine the relationship, don't you? I mean, that's it. So even if you sort of sat down and sort of said, let's let's discuss our relationship, they're going to look at you like, what are you talking about? But your phrase earlier is, this is going well. How could this be even better? That would be a great way of sitting down with somebody and, and coming up with reasons for let's redefine this and what this could be. And, then there's a sort of some level of commitment of of effort. I think is is more of it into yeah. Actually, I I really want this to be better and work. And I think from a work perspective, that redefinition of somebody who has moved from you know a prospect who's being hunted and is being seduced almost to being onboarded, where he's the most important thing in the business, to being the existing customer, to being a growing customer, to being an ambassador of your business. I mean, if you can manage 
that prospect all the way through to being somebody who's promoting your business, you know, whether it's internally or externally or on a stage, you want to manage that actively, don't you? That whole that whole process. Well, it communicates so much about the value that you hold in that relationship. But when you don't redefine it, that also communicates the level of value that's either in it or not in that relationship. Have this in couples or people that you work with. And there's times where you want the relationship to be, I really want to get your thinking. There's times that relationship is, I want you to leave me alone and give me some space. There's times that relationship is, I need your encouragement. Sometimes I just need you to listen. Sometimes I'm looking for you to tell me when I'm going off track with this. And then other times you want then some space again. So it's the having that relationship where it's current, it's a value, it's, it's, it's what you bring that's most important, as opposed to that person does this and it'll always be that, and it will only be that. And therefore that relationship, no matter how consistent, will never be more than just that. And some of the best relationships that you have, given that they're going to move over a longer period of time, is that they're more than just the one thing, and especially more than just the reason why you first engaged with them. Because if after 20 years, your relationship is still where it was on day one, that's not the greatest relationship. No, I mean, yeah, those casual acquaintances where you discuss football in the pub, I mean, that's that sort of person who, if you've only ever discussed football results for, you know, five years, you genuinely aren't going to miss that person. But then there's other people where that was just an, an entrance into a much bigger, wider, interesting, layered relationship, I guess. Yeah. But some relationships are that the people who you talk to in the pub about the football. Exactly. No, that makes sense. Or the 20 minute coffee every three or four months with the how's things conversation where you can trust that there's a free flowing update of both where you are and here's till the next time and knowing what it is and this is where you move into the intelligent trust rather than the emotional trust is knowing what I can trust that we have in this relationship you know you and I the same as, as you have with people and, and I certainly have this with others you might see them once every two or three years, but it's the same connection that you had last. And that's fantastic. Now, until either of you want to define that to be more than just that, that's still of great value. Not every relationship's 100%, but very few relationships are 0%. It's finding those boxes in between of where that relationship is currently and where and when would I want it to be more or sometimes less than that. You know, there are times, particularly as a coach, where there are certain people where it's in their interest for you to step back a little bit and tone the relationship down so that they know that it's them who's going through this journey. So relationships as a dial can move up and down. It doesn't mean it's down when it's negative and only positive when it's moving up. It's knowing with intelligent trust where that relationship really is and where you want it to be and where's best, as opposed to just leaving it to see how it goes. You know, the, the amount of relationships, we've moved house a lot, and the amount of relationships and you think, well, it kind of toed and froed a little bit and it never really got beyond, certain relationships never got beyond a kind of formal thing. Well, maybe that's just what that relationship is always going to be. That's fine. It doesn't have to be zero because it's not 100. Yeah, you don't need to be best buddies with your, you know, your Starbucks uh, barista just because you get a friendly smile and you enjoy it and, and, and that's what it's there for. There's that boost in the morning. Yeah, okay. Knowing what you get from everyone and you're giving to them as well is absolutely fine and that's a way of... And if you're happy with that with that level, then that's, a, that's okay. You don't need to be totally engaged with everything or everyone it's not an either or there's there's many different ways of of being engaged or or having a good relationship some people say you'll only know you've got a strongest relationship after you've had an argument or you'll only know when someone really means yes once you've got them to say no so there's all it's it's known what you can intelligently trust someone to do. It's not to push people as far as they possibly can, and it's not for you to push yourself as far as you can. Normally, people who throw themselves one hundred percent into a relationship, 
um, zero percent heading along the line kind of quick after that. Yeah, exactly. If you value that relationship and it's a lifelong relationship, there should be pace to it, but there's no big rush. If you believe that there's greater things ahead, then enjoy the journey. Enjoy how that relationship builds and evolves. Otherwise, there are those fantastically, you know, emotional, passionate relationships that go to 100% far too quickly for it ever to be sustained. And it's a great moment in time. But it's going to be short-lived. It's knowing where those relationships are. And there's a variety of what good relationships look like for you. But knowing that sometimes you're not going to be able to live up to it. And also accepting that sometimes other people aren't able to live up to that. And that's okay. You just move into the box where it's really good for now and then look for how that could be improved or put in a better box at some point. There are certain things in life that I prefer to put into a smaller box because they're no longer that important to me. And that leaves room for the bigger boxes of some of the things that's more important to me than it used to be. But it's using that intelligent trust rather than emotional trust. And that takes us to the last of the models, the concepts on this, is the concept of emotional contracts and relationships. This has been the most important thing and that I've been aware of, of building really, really positive, beneficial, mutually respected relationships. I've also seen it being the thing that destroys and breaks uh, relationships equally. So understanding this is really important as emotional contracts, as okay. setting out emotional contracts. Well, emotional and contracts, they kind of, it sort of seems like a, a misnomer, but let's go for it. What, what do you mean? What do you, what's an emotional contract? Is this a conscious thing or, or is this something that happens to, around us? It's a contract in terms of it's an agreement between two parties even if that is a contract with yourself, but it's a, a stated agreement between two parties. The emotional piece is that this is far much more about how it makes people feel rather than how it makes them think. So it's an emotional contract rather than an intelligent contract. It's an emotional one. So I had someone very close to me, as an example of this, I had someone very close to me who was in a situation where I could help. I felt they were dear to me. I really wanted to help and I could help. So I was going to help. So I approached them and I said, look, I'm aware of the situation you're in. I can help you with this. And they were delighted that I could help them with it. And there was a number of things over a period of months that we could put in place and help set them up, not just to take away the issues that they were having to face, but put them in a path that they didn't have to face these situations again. And at periods of time during that sort of three or four months, where literally I was engaging with them every day or every other day to put these things in place, they kept saying to me, um, I don't know how I can ever repay you. And I said to them, I'm, I'm not looking for you to repay me. I'm just happy that I can help. This matters to me. You matter to me. And the fact that I can help, I'm just glad I can help. I'm not looking for anything in return. I'm certainly not looking for you to pay me back. But they kept saying, Look, I, I still don't know how I'm ever going to be, re be able to repay you. And I kept saying to them, Look, I'm not looking for anything. And I continued to say this all the way along. And after the four-month period when everything was then in place, having spoken to them and seen them every day or every other day, I didn't see them for three years after that. And I, and I took the kind of high moral ground of saying, well, I did everything. On my side of that relationship, I did absolutely everything. And isn't that just typical? You know, once you've got everything you need and once you're okay, then, yeah, you just cut the ties. I don't see you again for another three years. And then after what I climbed down from the high moral ground, I then started to look at this on the basis of emotional contracts. And I was thinking, how did I make them feel every time they'd said, I don't know how I can pay you back. And I was saying, I'm not looking for you to pay me back. What was I communicating to them? And unfortunately, what I was communicating to them was, you don't have anything of value that I need. No, you should have just taken a kidney just for the, just to have made them feel better. <laughs> <laughs> you could have said, "I'm glad you've. I'm glad. I'm glad you asked." <laughs> well, look, this. See, this is the thing, and this is really important because we do this so many times. Is we we do it without these emotional contracts. If I could have just been more aware to say, "Look, I'm not looking for you to pay me back, but do you know what would be really valuable? See if you could come round for dinner. 
See if you could spend more time with the family. See if, you know, we could just meet up for a coffee every couple of weeks, make sure, see if we could maybe, you know, arrange to do something together, you know, just your time or something. I could have come up with, it wouldn't have taken much effort to come up with something. But I was just so adamant, I wanted to let them know I wasn't looking for repayment, that I didn't actually set an emotional contract, which would have protected the value in that relationship from both sides. Because when you don't stipulate emotional contracts, and emotional contracts is no more than saying, look, I'm happy to do this for you, but what I'm looking for in return is this. So what you're doing is protecting the value of both parties. Or on the other hand, I'm willing to let you do this for me, but what I really want to do for you in return is this. And again, you're protecting both parties. What you're doing is risking that relationship. Because what happens if I do something for someone and I don't look for anything in return, they might think they don't have anything of value to give in return. So it feels like a one-way relationship. Or they might assume that this is just how the relationship works. I just keep giving and they never have to give anything back. So then I start to think, is there no appreciation? Is there no value? Or what happens with a lot of people, and this is one of the most common things, someone will say, this person keeps doing this for me. I bet what they're looking for is this. And they start throwing other things back. Now, if those aren't the things that that person is looking for, that person still feels there's a lack of appreciation or even people being ungrateful because they're not noticing what's coming back. The other party is thinking, they're not very grateful or appreciative because they never acknowledge what I'm giving them back because there's been no stated emotional contract. Well, even worse than that, I mean, I was thinking of what you just said there is without that information, there's a vacuum. Is they're actually going to start doubting or your motives? They're going to think, actually, they are getting something out of this. this you know, whether it's some sense of some, a status kick or you know they're, they're enjoying this they're enjoying being seeing me needing their help or, or you know they're gonna they'll balance it out themselves with with bad reasons sometimes yeah that makes and you can get some people then who will refuse your help because they're not sure what they have to give in return so they're scared it's more than they can give so i need your help i can't accept it because i'm uncomfortable either because they don't want a one-way relationship or they're fearing, well, if you're doing that for me, I don't think I could ever do that for you. But actually what you might be looking for or appreciate might be something totally different. But it's having those emotional contracts. You know, it's like that comment of someone saying, you're looking fantastic today. And the person turns around and says, what are you after? For me, I mean, that's an obvious lie. So it's pretty clear to me that they are after something, which is fine. I mean, I'll give it to them most of the time if they keep telling me I look fantastic. I'm, I am that. I am that guy. But there's some of this is what comes back to what Ryan, what you said at the beginning as well. I guess is that if you haven't got that a good enough emotional contract with yourself, then maybe that it's hard for you sometimes to appreciate that. Why would people do nice things for me, or why would I do nice things for for somebody else with, without thinking? So there is that. That, that understanding that there does need to be some level of balance. And actually, maybe sometimes you do think that this person hasn't got anything else to offer you. Yeah, look, I over the years, um, of all the years I've been working with clients, and the experience of being coached at that level, particularly in its self-development, um, people can feel you've done an awful lot for them over the years. And then what I realised after about 10 or 15 years of doing this, I mean, I just feel I've been blind to so many things at times because I just thought, well, that's my job. I'm there to help people get to where they want to get to. People would then say, I don't know how I'll ever repay you of this. And then alarm bells start to ring. And that reminds me that then I have not been telling them what I've been getting out of this, that actually I'm there to learn, that I've really appreciated their honesty and their openness and exposing themselves to honesty and challenge and, you know, being up for considering things and asking questions that were maybe uncomfortable. Even just their integrity and transparency in what they're thinking, they're finding it tough and still coming back for more. They're thinking they've cracked it and then having to realise not just yet. 
there's been so much that I've appreciated, but never really kind of made specific. You know, what I've said to you know, people say, oh, what can I do for you? And so I've always said, well, the best thing you can do, if you ever see anybody who you think would benefit from this, please don't hesitate and just give them my details. And at least there is some kind of emotional contract. That's good. A two-way transaction. That's good. I just built a wine cellar because I thought that's going to be the best way of everyone to show their appreciation. But, you know, maybe yours is a better one. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe yours is better. Building a business instead of a wine cellar is, is maybe the best one. That's, that seems like it's going to form a healthier relationship as well, isn't it? it it's that, that feels like it's because um, it will ebb and flow as well. And then you're just giving it space to ebb and flow, I guess, because you're you're allowing for the fact that sometimes maybe it will feel more one way than others. But the, the nature of relationships is always going to go go to and fro. OK. Yeah, it's look, I um relationships particularly with people who are close to you sometimes the fact that you give them time is not to underestimate the value of that that you take the time out to call or to visit or to go and do the most menial task of things I mean I, I will go to my mother and I go there and always do the odd jobs around about the house that she's not able to do anymore but I know the big value is that it's the time it's not the jobs it's the time and knowing that, then I'm not going to let her down with that. And it also allows me to feel that that relationship is healthier. You know, so that she makes a cup of tea or she makes dinner and all that. That's her way of saying, I'm giving you something back. So I'll make sure she knows that I really appreciate that. And, and that keeps that relationship healthy, you know, and because you know the minute that it's not quite in balance, uh, you'll get that sense that, you know, yeah, you need to tone up the appreciation just a little bit uh, because you haven't said it quick enough. But this is what emotional contracts is about. It's what protects relationships. And it's real easy to do when you're consciously aware of it. But sometimes it can just go unspoken and then you're leaving that relationship at risk. You can see this works in all, this contract, this feeling is so important in, in personal relationships, but in working relationships as well, isn't it? There is so... So many of this, that makes so much sense. Okay. So, so so often in business, you're pitching for the work to get a client and then you don't tell the client why it's so important to you. You don't make it clear what you're getting out of it. And yet you expect the relationship to be evolving into more than just a transaction. You know, when people know how important they are in something, and then how important you are to that process. Then you've got a relationship that's more than just the formal transaction reason why you got together in the first place. It's really strong, especially this time of the year, this emotional contract, showing appreciation for small things and big things, I think is a good. But if you're not doing it for yourself, you will miss the opportunities to do it for everybody else. You know, and, and I always fall short of the, or always choose to stop short of the learning to love yourself. I'm I'm from the I'm from Scotland. We don't do that particularly well. Um, maybe we should. Um, but the acceptance of yourself is a really good, strong place to 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 build from. Uh, and that relationship with yourself, it's if it's an, an acceptable relationship with yourself, you'll accept an awful lot more than other people. Be clear, I mean, you're saying you're not saying wait until you've done this. All of these things can be done in parallel, can work together as you get better and this will amplify and improve step by step by step. Yeah. Look, you have a relationship already with all people and all things. You're just going to be more consciously aware that you have that relationship. And some of those relationships are hopefully fantastic, fulfilling, loving, rewarding relationships that you want for the rest of your life. And there's others that have the potential to get closer to that. And then there's some relationships that you may want to start that you haven't started yet. Because this is how you can really start a relationship off in a really sound footing. Because it's based upon value and trust and communication. There's some relationships you need to end. And with that, Stephen. <laughs> now you tell me. <laughs> I'm going to say goodbye to Edinburgh. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm glad we've had this conversation. <laughs> now this is good. Thank you. I leave you. I said it was going to be a big topic. Relationships. The idea of being in a computer game and trying to define every single relationship around you works for me for a while. I think what Stephen does really well is he talks about three different levels, the operational, the management and the leadership or strategic at the end. The first stage is just acknowledging it, knowing, understanding the fact that you are in a relationship with all of these different elements is already a start, you know, understanding that, appreciating it. And then it does allow you to, to manage it and to strategically position relationships to help you get to where you want to get to. Maybe go into that more often or into more detail because it comes up quite regularly, this idea of these different levels. And it's one of the key things that Stephen talks about and teaches and coaches. I'll leave it there. It's a lot to chew over, a lot to digest in this episode. Hope it helps. Hope it gives some clarity. Hope it inspires you to relook, redefine, reevaluate relationships around you. If you're not going to do it now, then when? Talk to you again soon.